Happy Sabbath, everyone. Is the mic working? All right. We wish to welcome everyone to our church, uh, Elomo in the Korean Church. We are currently on our Elijah sermon series. And so let us continue. Ladies and gents, this is the moment you're waiting for. Only if I was musically talented, I would sing. Um, we're catching up finally to Mount Carmel. This is the climax. So let us continue. We're going to start with 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 1. After a long time, in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. Meanwhile, King Ahab has gone so desperate. He has run out of options to the point where he himself is willing to go out and search throughout the land for food for his horses, for his army. And so he divides the workload between Obadiah, his palace administrator. And as Obadiah was walking, he encounters Elijah, whom they cannot see for Three long years. And Elijah tells Obadiah, Tell the king, I am here. I want to meet with the king. Obadiah, though he feared Lord God, also feared the king and begs Elijah to not make him do this. Elijah tells, uh, Obadiah tells Elijah, I've had hundreds of of Lord's prophets, and I hid them and I kept them safe. I gave them food and water. You know, but if I tell Ahab, you are here, he's going to kill me. There's a continued theme we see throughout chapter 18. People of Israelites are torn between the two choices. To be on the side of Jehovah with Elijah or with Baal, on the side of King Ahab. Whom will you choose today? If you had to choose between the government of the United States and your God, who would you choose? Elijah persists. He says in verse 15, As the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, I will surely present myself to Ahab today. Verse 16, so Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? You know, Ahab calls Elijah the troublemaker in Israel, the same word as snake. Yeah, you guys know snake, viper. But really, it was Ahab whose sins caused problems in the land. Elijah was saying, don't blame me for what had happened. God's judgment has been brought. You have forsaken him. The people have forsaken him. You have replaced God with God's. 
Did you know that both Jesus and Paul were called troublemakers in the Bible? Now I wonder, do we ever blame our problems to God? When perhaps there are times um, that the, the very problems we go through in our lives are actually caused by and the results of our own sinful actions. First commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. Verse 19, it says, Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah, Baal's wife, right? Who eat at Jezebel's table. I wonder, how many idols are at our own tables at home? Perhaps one is enough. Right? One device is enough to distract us all from God. One device can easily replace God in our lives. So Elijah suggests, let us settle this once and for all. And King Ahab, he had no choice but to consent to this. There had been no rain for three long years. Three long years. Something had to be done. Not a single drop of rain in the land. And every brook has dried up. I I imagine. Can you imagine Elijah walking through the land, seeing all those skeletons? Death. You know, when I think about this, I, what comes to my mind, for the kids, if you guys watch The Lion King, right, and when Simba returns to the Pride Rock, and what? All you see is dead skeletons, right? There's nothing in the land, nothing to eat. 200 years of forsaken God resulted in this. For generations after generations. Do we remember our God in our generation? Verse 20. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. So people are finally gathering. The audience is gathered. Probably took time. Maybe a day. So the time has come to go up that mountain. On Mount Carmel, the greatest showdown of their century, Jehovah, God of covenant, versus Baal. One man versus 850 prophets. Between Baal and Jehovah. And people are gathering Maybe with curiosity, maybe with desperation, they don't know. They want to see what will happen. You know, I cannot fathom what must have gone through Elijah's mind as he's climbing that mountain, going up to that mountain. You know, perhaps he's going as like a mind of a fighter, you know, a champion. Uh, there's a picture probably uh, showing. There's a guy named 
That's Ongla. That's my best friend from college. Um, he has just defended his 1FC middleweight belt championship title. So now he holds two class titles. Um, and, you know, I got to see him go to fights, train, and do all those stuff, you know. And they train for months. They watch their weight. They study the opponent, and they work on their skills. And they practice, and they practice, they prepare. And Elijah is going up that mountain, ready for the bout as a champion of God. Anyone, want, anyone watch UFC? Do you guys know who Bruce Buffer is? Right? Ladies and gentlemen, right? We are live. So just imagine in a fountain. I can just hear the song, right? Maybe Eminem, I don't know. You got one shot, one opportunity, right? This is the time. Probably nervous, maybe sweating. His heartbeat is pounding so loud. Just one chance. Everyone is watching you. All eyes on you. Everything at stake. Walking up to that mountain. But probably really excited, right? The atmosphere. Who is the real God? Who is it? You know, Olympics is happening right now, as you guys know. And there's um, athletes who are representing their own countries. Elijah is representing on behalf of God. You know, let's talk about this Mount Carmel. Let's talk about the setting. Why Carmel? You know, there, there's already Baal's altar set and used on Mount Carmel. But even before Baal's altar was God's altar. Now crumbled, laid in ruins for many, many years. It is an open space. It's a perfect place to reveal and to expose who is the fraud, who is the authentic. It is a place to reveal true God's glory. And also, Israel's sins. It is a place for a fair fight. A fair, clean game. No cheating. How hard is that? Carmel is located on the northwest of Palestine. It is close to the Mediterranean Sea and about 500 feet above sea level. Carmel is located near the border of Israel and Phoenicia. It is a good place for the Phoenician god Baal to meet Jehovah, the God of Israel. It is right in the border. And so you must make a choice. One must decide which God to serve. So now here we are to our main text for today. Verse 21, Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. 
continuing to read. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left. But Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood but not set fire to it. No cheating. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood but not set fire to it. Silence. People do not answer. They could not decide. You know, um, when I go out to food, to eat food, I have the hardest time deciding what to eat. And for about 15 minutes to 20 minutes, I have to, I have to weigh the options. Do I stay in Loma Linda or do I go a little further? Right? And I go further. Um, divided allegiance is as wrong as open idolatry. We must decide at times in our lives. Where is your commitment? Elijah asked the people of Israel. I want to share an article or a picture. Uh, this is taken from the great mosque of Mecca. It is the holiest place for the Islam religion, and the, it is the most highest temple located there. And then if you see the picture, what you're seeing right now is four ladies who are found playing board games inside the temple. Very, very bold, right? These ladies got guts. Can you imagine that? I fear for their lives. Um, but this is also the reality of some of us, isn't it? We are distracted. We are divided. We are bored. We don't take God seriously at times. We have no say. Do you have a say for your God? But there was no voice. How long, how long will you remain silent? Lukewarm. You cannot have both ways. There's a guy named Edmund Burke who said, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Will you stand? Will you make a choice? Verse 24, Then, then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, He is God. And all people said, what you say is good. Good idea. Let's go with that. And so Elijah requests Ahab to bring not just the prophets of Baal, but also the 400 prophets of Asherah. They actually end up not coming. Um, And so prophets of Baal meet God of Israel finally. The goal is not just to expose a false god, Baal, but, but to bring people back to the real God. God has been forgotten for 200 years. People were limping between Baal and Jehovah. And so Elijah gives prophets of Baal an advantage. 
As you guys may know, Baal is worshipped as the god of the sun. Okay, the fire of the universe. So he is an all-controlling god of the crops and productivity of the land. He's a fire god. He's a sun god. If anyone could send fire, it should be Baal. So they took the bull given them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of the Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar that they had made. 12 p.m. It is noon. And from noon, what happens? Sun is hottest. It gets heated up. Right? If any time, if any moment for the sun god to reveal and show his power, it should be now. Elijah gives no room for excuse. If any time, it would be now. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a god. Perhaps he's deep in thought or busy, or traveling, maybe sleeping and must be awakened. Is God sleeping? Is your God sleeping? Is he resting on Sunday? Nothing happens. But isn't it true? Sometimes we pray to such gods in our lives. From morning until evening, we call to the wrong God. Maybe we rely on the God that we think we are. Sorry, wrong number. We dance crazy for different idols in our lives. Just speaking for myself, have I been as excited for Jesus as watching Eagles versus the Patriots? I don't know. Has my Christian life been less exciting than the Olympics? Do I anticipate Jesus in my daily life? Is there a time in your life where you feel like God is sleeping? Where is he? You know, where is he in my life? But maybe we are looking, looking for the wrong God. God has not been sleeping. When we say, I need you, show yourself, God, God has been there. God has waited for 200 years for this day, for this people who would not listen to him, who has forgotten him. A loving God who had no other option but to make judgment. No rain for three years. A spiritually dried nation. A nation of his people who rejected him completely refused to listen, to hear the God of covenant. For the people who chose idolatry over the living God. It is three o'clock now. They've done everything that they could possibly do and nothing has happened. The time of evening sacrifice at the temple in Jerusalem 
three o'clock. And then finally, Elijah steps forward and takes charge. My turn. God's turn. In Israelites' early history, when the nation betrayed God, one man vouched and pleaded for them. Who was that? Moses. Right? Elijah, a type of Moses in his time. Elijah, a type of Christ who intercedes for his people. And we are called to be such man and woman of God. The question is still out there. Who will you choose between God of Israel or Baal? When we are sure that we are in the will of God, there's nothing that God cannot do through us. And so finally, God's turn. Are you finished? Let me... Twelve stones, right? We start with Elijah telling people to put twelve stones around to reaffirm the spiritual unity of God's people in spite of political division that, that exists. Elijah is gathering his people back to God. And God provides himself a handicap, right? He asks people to bring water and fill it, right? Dig holes around it and fill it three times. You know, if the altar of Israel can be crumbled, so can ours. If the altar of God can be crumbled, so can yours. So can my altar. Is there a need for us to rebuild the altar of God? Is there a need for our church to have all 12 stones as a united church? You know, they built their own. They're rebuilding their own altar. Slowly but surely, they're obeying. They're listening to what God has to say. As we prepare for the transition of new church, um, are we rebuilding? Are we fortifying our faith in Christ? How often in our daily lives do we come to the altar? How is our relationship with God? Not just 10 tribes, 10 northern tribes, but 12 as a whole. Is our church moving as a whole? Made me think. Elijah asks for water to be soaked and poured all over the altar. Three times. You know, I, I need to ask. We should all be asking, right? Where's the water coming from? They're in drought for three years. Where's the water coming from? Most likely, as I mentioned before, they're gathering from the Mediterranean Sea, which the mountain was very near and close to. Close by, undrinkable, but still water. But if it was truly drinkable water, then they were being taught to what? Offer their most precious things. My life is dried up. I'm thirsty. 
Uh, last week, some of our youth and parents had a chance to uh, go to Utah for our ski trip. And our tradition is, on Saturday after worship, we hike Zion National Park. Right? And we're going up um, and taking the Angel's Landing Trail. It's kind of scary. But as I'm going up, I realize I'm getting thirsty. And you, you know, it, it's true. One of the things that mountain makes you do, mountain makes you, is that it makes you thirsty. Are you thirsty? Are you climbing God's mountain? Are you making an effort to go to where God is? To build an altar? If you are doing that in your life, you should be thirsty. It's what climbing or hiking up a mountain makes you do. Are you thirsty for God? God pours the water for his thirsty people. And Elijah prays, right? It is, the prayer of Elijah is a prayer of faith. No pleading, there's no screaming, there's no dancing. It's very simple, to the point. There's no shouting, no empty repetition of same words that God would prove that he is Lord. God of Abraham and Isaac, meaning same God, unchanging God, the God who was the same God for their ancestors, is still the God of Israelites at that time. Do we pray for God to be revealed as the Lord? You know, we pray on our behalf and others, but have you ever prayed on God's behalf? That's a crazy thought to me. Have you ever prayed for God as a servant? You know, our most effective tool is a prayer of faith. Prayer was not Elijah's last resort. It was his first. And Jesus often prayed to his Father in heaven. And Elijah is pleading that people may turn. Right, 2 Chronicles 7, 12-15, If my people would humble themselves and turn their ways back to God. Is there a need for us to turn? Make changes? As Elijah prays, God answered Elijah's prayer. Immediately. It not only brought fire, but more importantly, it turned the hearts of the people back to God. It was a waking up call. It was a wake up call. And also, it cleansed to get rid of the land of um, the prophets of Baal. That's what fire does it purifies, it purges. And before the rain, there's fire as God responds. You know, God appeared in front of man by fire many times before. To Adam and Eve, to Cain and Abel, to Abraham, to Sodom and Gomorrah, to Moses in the burning bush. As pillar of fire, 
And fire represents the presence of God, the answer replying of His living presence. You know, fire from the sky, what do you think it was? Lightning. Right? And it comes from clouds, and clouds come, and it determines weather, the rain, right? Not Baal, not Zeus, but Jehovah. God of covenant sends fire down from heaven. It is a zap. It is a wake-up call. And it burned everything, the whole altar to the ground. Nothing left to turn into a relic or um, something to be kept, right? Or to be worshipped, even. But altar to Baal stood as a monument to a lost cause. And it's really interesting because sometimes it's what you don't see that proves God. We always look for proof. But God says, the fact that it's not standing there proves that I am God. We seek for proof and evidence, but God seeks our unseen hearts. You know, our new sanctuary will have the torch symbol, I think, on our pulpit, on the back. Is there a need for fire to come down in our lives? The reason why only God could send such fire, a fire of acceptance of sacrifice, the cost of sin, only God could forgive and accept. Atonement, right? Rather than attainment. Baal could probably send a fire, but he could not send a fire that accepted forgiveness, or make a payment of sin. No way. Only God could. You know, Jesus took up upon our sins on our behalf. And he died. He became the sacrifice that we had to pay. He became the ultimate wake-up call for us. So, I must ask, are there men and women of God today who chooses God of covenant? Right? God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Natalie, to our modern time. Can we be the men and women of God to choose God? To choose a living God? And to say, thank you, Jesus. It is my prayer that we become such people. That we become such tribe for God. And let us never underestimate the power of the totally dedicated life. We should be like Elijah. And when that happens, the rain comes. So Pastor Richard will probably preach about when the rain comes next week. Uh, I pray that we may ask for the fire, the Holy Spirit, to be upon our lives. Thank you.
we all rise for our offertory? Stands behind the God of angels. 